This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top tier lineup. With Leap Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Who's your captain? Mal. Okay, fine. Obviously. Who are going to tell us he's not the captain, are you? No, I'm not. Uh, I'll, get, I'll get Tony Mowbray to do it. With plenty of downtime here at Blue Monday HQ during the international break, our pod team started to wonder just how good is the team of 23-24, even at this early stage. And if we were forced to name a combined 11 with the excellent team of 99-2000, what would it look like? Helping me debate this, everyone else, Seb, has left us to it. Seb Brown, are you as worried as I am recording this? I think we need to make it clear this is just a bit of fun. It's just a hypothetical <laughs> scenario. And yeah, right. there's no research for me to do this week, so I have to fill in my uh, uh, my working week somehow. So this is simply our opinions and a little bit of fun. Opinions can't be wrong. And yeah, just for everyone to enjoy it. I'm sure if we asked a million different people this question, we get a million different answers. So yeah, it's a, a bit of fun, a bit of enjoyment to fill the international break comparing the side that we obviously you know our kind of best oh, years as town really? fans yeah exactly um versus the the current very exciting side yeah so we, and it, it wouldn't be a fun debate Seb without some rules so <laughs> we are setting do you want to set the rules out because you love the rules I don't enjoy the rules, but I will abide by them because you said that I'd never podcast again if I uh, if I didn't. So the rules are you have to have six from each era, including the manager. So six from the 99-2000 squad and six from the 2023-2024 squad. Uh, and the formation, I've gone a bit rogue with the formation. So you had to choose either a 4-2-3-1 a la Kieran McKenna 2023, or you had to choose a 3-5-2 a la George Burley 99-2000. I went for a different formation to the manager I chose, but, but those were the two rules which will explain some of our choices as we chat through our selections. So we hope you'll find this interesting and it prompts some debate in the comments. So do get them in there. Please be respectful, as we said. We are just doing this for a bit of a laugh. Um, but hopefully some interesting insights as as the 99-2000 team relates to this 23-24 team. Obviously, another big caveat is we know that the season is only 
only just begun. It's 11 games in or whatever it is. So we we know that this team has not achieved what the 99-2000 team has done yet. But Seb, if you were to compare the records on the day that we record, so the 11th of October, um, ITFC in present day are second, having played 11 and won nine of those 11 games. Um, rewind back to 1999 and Town were fifth, only fifth. Um, having only played nine games, but only won five of them. Um, And so interesting to see that kind of extrapolated over the course of that season, where obviously a 46-game season, we ended up with 87 points, um, 17 clean sheets in that time as well. So clearly that's the target. But at the moment, Seb, we're kind of projected, if you extrapolate as things are, to 117 points and 105 goals. I just kind of mutter that because clearly that's not what we're going to end up with. But it's very different circumstances isn't it was does that surprise you the 99 2000 team maybe not as i I remember starting really well we beat forest didn't we we started Um, the season amazingly we beat forest we beat swindon we beat bolton and then yeah we we kind of won i think five even tuning up at sheffield united and finished two all i think in about the fourth or fifth game of the season and there was a one nil defeat at home to birmingham really early wasn't there stan Mm. lazaridis i think dived for a penalty uh yeah died for a penalty and they won that one and i think that's probably around the time we're probably comparing the two eras i assume because that season we started like an absolute train and we did drop off a, a, a little bit which saw us go out and make a couple of kind of reinforcement signings. Gary Croft comes in probably roughly this yes. time of year with the, the Man City game pre-transfer window rules. So yeah, started like an absolute train that year whereas this year has just been you know remarkably consistent. We uh, we know all about the Leeds game and the Huddersfield games. Apart from that, it's been totally imperious. So yeah, Ooh. interesting. I th- when you said fifth, I was surprised. I thought we'd have been probably you know third. I didn't expect it to be top, but I thought maybe third or fourth. Fifth does seem a bit low. The games other teams yeah. have played 10 games and there was yeah. a little i don't know i guess maybe league cup might have been a factor at that point i'm not too well, sure they were two-legged back then weren't they as well i think yeah, so that's an extra kind of perhaps that was a factor but yeah so what we'll do is we there is no kind of judgment on the players peak point when they arrive in our teams it is the best team from the players we've got there we're kind of thinking of them in their 99 guys but um where it where it's obviously the 99 players so six from each as seb said um, so let's start with the defence. We start with you, Seb. Do you want to go first? Because your mind's going to trigger a few people. We're early, early warning, trigger warning. We'll start with you, shall we? With your defence. I'll put it up on the screen now. Talk us through it. So I've gone for the, like I said, the three at the back system. Richard Wright for me has to be the goalkeeper. You know, you said a minute ago, was it 17, 18 clean sheets that season? Only 22, I think he was 21, 22 at the time. He was knocking on the England door around that kind of era, made a, a load of England under 21 appearances. And he was, he finally gets into the full England squad at the end of the season after, after Wembley and has a horrible debut away at Malta. Where I think he gives away a penalty, but you know, considering how highly rated he was, how young he was, you know, an absolute top draw keeper. And yeah, he, I, you know, I love what Flaggy can do with with starting the play. Walton, we've not really seen this year in the championships, so hard to hard to gauge him. Although, although he's got previous championship experience, but for me, I'll be honest, that was a no brainer. As soon as I kind of sat down, it was always going to be Richard Wright and goal for me. Yep. Talk to us about the back three. Back three. So I've gone Luke Wolfenden, who in a George Burley kind of side would fit in oh, lovely. Love I think, you know, we've got, it's basically Wolfenden versus McGreal for this spot for me. And I went for Wolfenden because he's, he's moved up to the championship effortlessly. You know, he looks so good, composed, brilliant at bringing the ball out. I can imagine Richard Wright just knocking the ball to him and him sort of starting attacks from the back. I also need a bit of pace in my back line because I've got Tony Mowbray in the middle, <laughs> the organizer, the stalwart, Wembley goal, obviously. We must remember that 1990-2000 season 
and he basically retired. I think they kept his registration on and gave him a squad number, but he he wasn't featuring. It Charles was McGreal. Yeah, it was McGreal, Venus, and uh, and Thetis, who I think were the opening kind of players and started that that season. And Mowbray after yes, Charlton four two, Huddersfield away three one. I think he kind of comes back into the side and gets you know gets us back up and running again. So I had to put Mowbray in for the the leadership. You know, we we speak about the ninety nine two thousand season having a, a whole host of leaders. So I wanted his organisational skills and his voice alongside Wolfenden at the back, and then. Mark Venus, the left-sided centre-back, you know, very underrated with the ball at his feet. We remember the lovely knock down the line for uh, Naylor in the playoff final in the build-up to, to the third goal, Stewart's header. So really good with the ball at his feet. So I've got two ball-playing defenders either side of kind of an organiser. And Venus obviously will add those set-piece threats with free kicks. We all remember the one against Watford the year before, 99-2000. And we all remember the, the set-pieces he was capable of delivering. So a, a solid back three, but I needed that little bit of pace of Wolfenden. Yeah, and you're on either side of them. You've got um, our current, well, I guess Wes Burns notionally out of position there, perhaps at right wing back, but Leif Davis, yeah, um, out of left wing back, no surprises there, really. Yeah, no, I've gone for kind of an early Kieran McKenna formation where Burns was playing ever so slightly deeper. I need the pace on the wings. It was harsh on Jamie Clapham, I thought. You know, a year later, he's knocking on the England squad, but we have to base this on 99-2000, and I have to abide by the 6-6 six and six rule. So Leif Davis is in there for me. Five assists already this season is phenomenal. He's already a third of the way to last year's total after 11 games. And Wes Burns, you know, the right wing-back slash right-back role in 99-2000 was kind of a bit hit and miss, wasn't it? We had mm. Wilness playing quite a lot of games. Gary Croft comes in and drops out Wilness then comes back in. Mickey Stockwell filled in there a few times as well. So I don't think it's 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 you no know, weird of me to say that's probably the weak link of that side. So looking at it, I just looked at Burns, big game player, adds pace on the wing, always good for a goal in a in a, in a moment when you need him to. I, I thought it was a no brain to put him. Yep, should we have a look at mine? I don't go for not, it. Not not drastically different, and it's not particularly controversial at this stage. I'm going for a flat back four. Harry Clark may be the surprising name there. I've got Leif Davis. I've got Mark Venus. And Luke Wolfenden as well, Richard Wright. I remember sitting in Churchman's back in the day, 99, 2000, and I used to love when Richard Wright was, he was the king of the S-Housery back then. Whenever we were 1-0 up in the second half and kicking towards the North Stand and the ball went out of play into the into the South Stand's crowd, he always used to tell people to throw the ball miles away from him or, or he used to kick it and dribble it around the back of the net to waste time. He wouldn't be able to get away with it now, but... I remember those days and you're right. You know, I think probably one of the best keepers in our club's history up there with maybe Paul Cooper. Well, probably Paul Cooper. We've, we've been there before and triggered a few people with Paul Cooper, but Richard Wright for me, definitely probably the, the top keeper in our time watching. And yeah, over on the right, I've gone for, I've gone for Harry Clark purely because of who I want to play beyond Harry Clark. And I think there's a good pair in there. Brandon Williams obviously has had an amazing couple of matches of late and maybe in a few months' time, maybe Brandon Williams gets that spot off him. And, you know, in the next few weeks, maybe it will be Brandon Williams' spot to lose as well. But right now, I'm kind of basing it on what I know from Harry Clark's end of last season, the energy, the pace. Um, you know, there's a Thunder B in there if we need it as well. But it's just a partnership that I want to do down that right-hand side. But otherwise, nothing particularly controversial there. I think... Maybe Mark Venus might step out like Cameron Burgess does, but he's got a set piece on him as well. And I'm sure that was playing on your mind as well. So yeah, that's my um that's my defensive line. Should we shall I go to my midfield next? This is where it all starts to trigger change, warning. Think, yeah, trigger warning. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Um 
Yeah, I've gone for the central midfield partnership of Jim Majorton and Sam Morsey. I'm going for the 4-2-3-1. That is going to upset a lot of people. I love Matt Holland, and this doesn't change anything. I'm, it's just a game. It's just for fun. But I kind of think I like the the combative box-to-boxness of Morsey with the creative kind of quarterbacking of Jim Majorton. Again, there's a set-piece threat there. Um, and we know how great Morsey is as well on the turn. So I just kind of thought a bit of creativity, a bit of guile and, you know, a bit of fight. You know, Jordan's got that maybe a little bit as well, but I kind of like that pairing. And, you know, it's it's kind of a toss-up really between Majorton and Holland. And it's just because I think of Holland and Morsey being quite similar players. What's your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, obviously two very similar players, box to box, kind of sometimes deep line can look to break off the play. I guess Magilton would love to play alongside either of them because as we know, Jim has said in the past, you know, let the runners run and Morsey and Holland will run all day for you and Jim can then get on the ball and try, kind of try to dictate play. We, we know what he can offer. So yeah, I, I was surprised when I saw it, to be honest, we'll come on to my one in a minute. I was surprised when I saw it. And on the wings, you've gone for Westburn slightly more advanced than me and then Martin Royce. So that's a bit of a surprise to me at left, left yeah. midfield. Yeah, so Burns and Clark, I just love that partnership from from last season. And, and, and you know, injuries aside, it, it's going to be effective for us. Again, we talked about the, the Williams versus Clark debate, but I just like that dynamism. I agree with you as well on the, the assessment at the right-hand side under Burley as well. It's probably a troublesome area, so I'm quite happy to go with, with McKenna's um, personnel for that. I just love Martin Royster. <laughs> um, it's just it's, it's an emotional choice rather than kind of he's, he's a fit, obviously, He's gonna. You've got Leif Davis, who's going to provide the enterprise and the energy down that left-hand side anyway. We know Royce is going to cut in, but it's just for these magic moments. You know, even ignoring, he probably had more of a magic moment-y kind of impact the season after 99-2000. But folk forget, last-minute winner against Fulham, um, really important goal, a marginal game that kind of nudged us towards the playoffs and up towards the kind of top two, albeit we just fell short. But it's just those moments of brilliance and... Yeah, he's the kind of player in that team that can create something from nothing, similar to Jim, but even more so. But I, he, Leif Davis is going to have to do the bulk of the running down that left hand <laughs> side. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, do you ever look at uh, yours while yeah, everyone is it. picking themselves off the floor that I've not picked, Matt? Holland. <laughs> yeah. Um, here we go. I've got slightly more, yeah, predictable. So I've gone for a three-man central midfield. Morsey sitting slightly deeper with Magilton one side and Holland the other. So Holland's my kind of box-to-box. We know how good he was that season, arriving late in the box. I think he got 15 goals that season, didn't he? Which is, you know, it sounds we just kind of took that for granted back in the day. But 15 goals from a central midfield player is a is a hell of a respectable talent. Doesn't really happen that much now. Morsey will sit there and do what Morsey does. He will break up the play like in your side. Then he'll look to lay it off to either Matt Holland or Magilton. Magilton, I need that for his kind of through balls and his guile and his kind of you know his ability to pick that those those key passes. So I think I've gone my, my, in my side. I've gone for the creativity really to come from. Basically, Magilton and then the two guys in the full in, in the wing back positions. I'm going to be relying on lots of kind of cross ears and cutbacks from Burns and Davis into my into my front two, and then Magilton pulling off a, an amazing through ball every now and again. And I've got the industry, I would say, of Morsey and Holland to just kind of you know run and run all game and look to you know their fitness levels were always absolutely superb. The one time Holland was going to miss a game, he went to Brightling Sea, stuck his leg in the <laughs> in the healing waters and made a miraculous miraculous recurrence. So that, I need them to do the running for me. Magilton to do the classy stuff and um and yeah i guess mine will trigger people less than yours because mine's probably the predictable safe option i would say the only thing so i quite agree in terms of the names i just wonder whether you're doing more as your disservice by playing him deeper 
Maybe, but he, yeah. But in our side, I'd say Luongo's more the box-to-box. Morsi will pick up the ball and drive, but Luongo tends to be the one who gets on the end of things more in the box, I would say. So is he not playing that deeper role already at the moment? You just got to curve that a little turns, bit. don't they? Because Luongo drops yeah. left, doesn't he, when, when Davis bombs on. I just wonder whether uh, in, uh, neither of them are bad players. It's, it's the debate about what do you want them to do, and I wonder whether you you limit Morsi's impact by by making him be the sitter. Obviously, him and Holland will, would have would rotate. That's, that some sounds like this is actually going to happen, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> but in theory, they'd rotate, wouldn't they? I think you wouldn't have a it would be maybe a bit fluid. But I wonder whether Luongo is maybe the better pick because, yeah, I think he's more the out and out defensive midfielder than Morsi. Perhaps I don't know. What's your it's your team. Potent- Potentially, yeah, it's an interesting one. Like I say, I had to get Matt Holland in there. I had to get Jim Jilton in there. And obviously with the, the six and six rule, I had to get one of the current staff in there. And Morsey, to be fair, was always going to make it. My my Holland was always in for me. It was a case of if I did a different formation, I was going to do Morsey or Magilton. And I just thought, just go for the three at the back system and get all three in there. And yeah, maybe doing them a bit of a disservice. But if Holland can drop deep sometimes and Morsey can pick up the ball and, and break the lines. To be fair, I don't think Magilton would really let them do that, would he? Let's be honest. He's incredibly vocal. I'd imagine he'll be shouting a lot of them both to simply give him the ball and let him dictate the the play, to be honest. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Who's your captain? Matt Holland. Okay, fine. Obviously. Who, you're you're he's not the captain, are you? No, I'm not. Uh, I'll get I'll get Tony Mowbray to do it because he's, yeah, he can tell him. There's from a lot of leaders in your team, to be fair, though, isn't there? You, well, you that's mentioned what we that's what we always say about the 99-2000 side. You know, it was a side full of full of leadership and, and that's what you need in those 
horrible moments like being 2-0 down on the Reebok minus Mowbray minus Johnson. You know, you need those big game players and those kind of leaders to take the game by the scruff of the neck and get you over the line. And yeah, with Morsey, Holland, Mowbray, Venus, I guess you could say I have got a fair few leaders in there. And I think it'd be a very vocal side. It certainly wouldn't be a quiet <laughs> side, I don't think. Your dressing room's going to be harmonious, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Should we have a look at your attack then? Finish off your, um, your front two? Yeah. Um, so Here we go. No surprises. Obviously, I'm always going to put David Johnson in there. Hence why I went for the 3-5-2 because I don't think he would work as the lone striker. Despite him being pacey and probably able to press, I don't think he's physical enough. And then because of the 6-6 rule, I had to put in a current player. I debated George Hurst in the almost the Scowcroft kind of role to hold the ball up for for Jono and kind of, you know, do the do the hard work and Johnson King at the end of things. But Connor Chaplin, I thought, you know, 26 goals last season, four or five so far this season already hit the ground running. And yeah, I just thought that's a, a very sort of goal heavy front too. Not the biggest, but Chaplin always seems to get on the end of things from a from a set piece in a corner. And Johnson was really good in the air, considering how I think he was five foot six, five foot seven. So not the not the tallest of front lines, but I think they would certainly deliver goals. In a real in a real world, if it's we don't abide by the six and six rule, I have Scowcroft in there for Chaplin. I have Scowcroft and Jono up front as the good old fashioned late nineties big man, short pacey striker playing on the last shoulder kind of combination. Yeah, I I think probably if it were me, I I might go first. But you'd you'd you're quite right. The Chaplin's goals is just a massive threat, isn't it? And scores all types of goals as well. And yeah, and no I've surprises. Got, I've got Davis in at left wing back. I've got to have Chaplin in to make those runs. You know, Davis down the wing, yeah. pull the pull the ball back. Chaplin sits in space and bangs the ball home. Yeah, that combination equals goals. And yeah, do you want to? Have you had many opportunities to have a little bit of a? Johnson Ode, you don't, you don't, we, we know that you've, when it comes to Johnson versus Stuart, where your, your loyalties land, but do you want to talk to us about how great David Johnson was, maybe how unsung he was in that 99, 2000 team and probably more so the seasons before as well, before yeah. Stuart arrived and Royce arrived on the scene. Well, he was probably the closest thing to a sure thing for a 15 to 20 goal striker in the late 90s at that time. You know, we signed him from Berry, nine goals. I think he had when he joined us and he finishes on 30, gets 20 odd, 22, 21 odd for us. And I think he still finishes Berry's top scorer that season. And he was just a machine at this level. The following year, he gets 15, has an injury, has a cartilage operation halfway through, gets injured at Barnsley, I think it is at home, has a cartilage operation and goes on a bit of a dry spell. And he ends the season not in great form. And in that 99, 2000 season, he still started the season on fire we remember the goal against Forest, that dipping volley from the edge of the area and he follows it up next week with two against Swindon and then he's just you know Barnsley. remarkably just yeah he just delivers the Bolton goal on halfway where he kind of wins the ball and and runs at them the Barnsley a few weeks later the 6-1 which is a similar kind of goal great in the air you know him and Wilness the, the Man City header he gets a great connection on it Lee uh, who was the keeper Nicky Weaver got a hand on it but he couldn't stop the ball from going in and yeah he would score in spells he'd go he'd score six in five and then not score for the next five in a row and but when you know when he when he kind of you know he, he would always deliver for you in the moments so i think that i love the commentary the charlton away game the three one in the season and they're waxing lyrical saying david johnson doing what david johnson does of all the first division strikers the one you would want to see in that position is david johnson he his game was about pace and power uh maybe not the best finisher at times but yeah for me he was absolutely superb we'll discuss also, you, your your choice in a minute uh but for me he was a no-brainer 22 goals that season he got one in the cup as well so 23 and yeah superb player who you know went th- scoring throughout the season when maybe some others dropped off every now and again yep yep fair call um and definitely a, a kind of an itfc legend of that era as well so um 
yeah so i'm gonna upset seb by showing my attack don't forget i'm doing the four two three one so i've got a i've missed a, a midfielder or an attacking midfielder so we'll see who that is in a second but i'm going i am going for the big man small man partnership but i'm going marcus stewart kind of for the the, the emotional reasons again it's an emotional pick like royce and i know that marcus stewart didn't really contribute a huge amount in the 2000 obviously um the goal against barnsley the goal against huddersfield and eventually turned up and became an absolute hero with the the goals and a, a Bolton and a header at Wembley. Um, but just kind of on paper, that intelligence, he's going to sit in and drop off, isn't he, and find the spaces. But alongside him, you know, we talked about Johnson being an unsung hero of that 99-2000 team. That, that striking lineup with Scowcroft, Naylor and Johnson that started that 99-2000 season was really big and we only realised how important Scowcroft was the way we played when he moved to Leicester a couple of years later. And really intelligent player, often quite maligned by our fan base who didn't really understand what he was there to do. You know, it's really <laughs> easy to see a big forward and think, right, well, you're going to score lots of headers and, you know, your job is about scoring goals. It was much more important, actually, that he brought other people into the game. He held the ball up so well and found spaces as well. And, yeah, that I don't think there's the out-and-out strikiness in my lineup with Stewart and Scowcroft, but there's that attacking guile through Royster, and I, you know that Burns is going to get in there as well. Majil and Morsey will score a few. So, yeah, I think probably you've got, I think Johnson may be a better pick perhaps than Stewart perhaps for that reason. Um, but I'm pretty happy with that team, and I can't not pick Marcus Stewart, and it's, yeah. just, a, it's just an emotional thing at this it's point. It's such a shame they never clicked, wasn't it? I remember signing Stuart yeah. and I thought, right, we've now got two of the best strikers probably ever seen at this level. And it was such a shame him and Johnson couldn't get it going. You know, you just mentioned there, Stuart's best moments come in the playoff semi away at Bolton and the, and the game at Wembley. And David Johnson isn't on the pitch for any of those events. You know, it's just the way it went. And we all know what happened in the Premier League the season after. So it was it was such a shame, I guess, two left-footed players and they were kind of making similar runs. Scoey was, yeah, like you say, a, a real unsung hero. He got 15 goals. He was the player mm. of the season that year, wasn't he? Yep. You know, we've we've just spoken about you know big game moments from Stewart and Johnson with 22 goals, but Scoey got the the player of the year and he was superb. And we we kind of went into that year expecting it to be Johnson and Stewart because that's what it. Had, sorry, Johnson and Scowcroft because that's what it had been for the previous you know the year before and half the season before that with Alex Matthew dipping in and out here and there. But it was Naylor and Johnson up front and Scoey slightly more withdrawn and he took to it like an absolute duck to water, didn't he? He was brilliant in the role and he could, like you say, hold the ball up, bring others into play, that lovely long diagonal from Richard Wright or Mark Venus's left foot onto the head of Scoey from to flick the ball onto the the faster players. And yeah, what a what a side that was. And like you say, maybe we didn't truly appreciate Scowcroft until he left us and moved to moved to Leicester. He was, yeah, an absolute brilliant, brilliant player that year. He, he got player of the year the season before as well. I think he got 13, 14 goals that year, 15 in the promotion year. So yeah. In in a, in an ideal world without the six and six rule, I'd have him in mind as well. And just as effective in the Premier League this season after as well, wasn't yeah. he? And, it's yeah. him and Stewart, isn't it? It's him and Stewart. Alan Armstrong comes in a little bit, Naylor comes in a little bit, but the bulk of the kind of holding up play and creating space for Stewart to go and get nineteen league goals is because Scowcroft's doing all that work. After uh, after Johnson got the first bite of the cherry, I must put that in. Yeah, well, yeah, indeed. Um, should we any players? Any we've mentioned. 
Clapham, any players that are on the periphery that you wanted to call out? I mean, Richard Naylor, we've mentioned there, I guess a push could do a job at centre-back, but that wasn't maybe until Joe Royal appears a few years later on. But Naylor, mate, again, in terms of unsung, obviously not going to get the same number of goals as Jono, but maybe more industrious. And, and is that kind of disruptor that sometimes you need? Do we see anywhere in your thinking? No, Clapham was the one for me that I thought was harsh to leave out. I mean, if we're talking about a modern-day side, then surely the lead striker isn't Johnson or Stewart. It's Scowcroft or Naylor, isn't it? Mm. It's someone who's going to kind of, well, I guess, maybe maybe more so Naylor. He's going to tire out defenders. He's going to be physical. He's going to run everything, chase after everything all game. And then at some point on 60 minutes, you're going to replace him after he's done the job of knackering out the defence. So maybe, uh, maybe yeah, he, logically in a, in a, in a modern-day kind of Kieran McKenna formation, Naylor is the one that would be more involved at the top of the pyramid creating space and doing the dirty work for the others but for me Clapham was the really difficult one to to kind of leave out you know signed him on loan from Spurs make the deal permanent he had a he had a great season that year and I always remember do you remember the the, the run for Stewart's equaliser away at the Reebok it's Clapham who baking hot day probably had played 43 41 games so far that season and he's still going the the lung busting run to come forward and pick up Royce. yeah i love jamie clapham should have got an england call up travesty that he didn't the following season um he was a, a real tough one to leave out just wasn't sexy enough for Sven no, and is, yeah he's dependable he's you know he, i don't know how many assists he got that season but you know i guess he's not necessarily maybe one of the one of the headline grabbers but you knew every week he'd be a seven eight out of ten no Jonas Axedal, his name came up on <laughs> Saturday, the Blue Monday live event. No, nor Neil Midgley. They, I guess they were the reserve strikers back in the day. Shows how reliant we were, wasn't it? Midgley got a goal though, didn't he? He did, West Brom at home, yeah, he got the goal and then was never seen again. Axedal, I think I remember hitting the bar or hitting the post at, yeah, someone away, but they, they never got going, did they? It was no surprise we went out in the January window and bought in a, uh, a bit of quality. How about you? Anyone from the modern era you were kind of debating leaving out? Anyone from the 1990,000 you wanted to try and get in there? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I, I, I will be unable to sleep for a week having not picked Matt Holland. And I'm sure people in the comments will be <laughs> feeling likewise about and reminding, reminding me of that. You know, I think I'm generally quite happy with the balance of the team. I think I am a bit worried about the lack of pace with Royster and Stewart on the left-hand side, but Leif Davis gives you that anyway. Royster um, wasn't slow though, was he? No, in, his he late, in his latter years, maybe. maybe but ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand and one, he's kind of you know, he's yeah. I don't remember at Wembley, kind of you know, was on the halfway line and was yeah. no slouch. I mean, probably the big name that neither of us have got is Nathan Broadhead, right? Yeah. Um, again, I, I couldn't really make him work given my formation. I guess in mine, he'd have to play in the Connor Chaplin role up front. Um, and yeah, again, an excellent technical player, you know, has stepped up to the championship effortlessly like most of them have. Um, but I, I went for Chaplin, given the more guaranteed kind of goals. I need goals and pace and power and, you know, in my, in my front two. Was he, was he close to making yours, was he? Yeah, and I, and I think the six in the, and in six... In the Royce, Royce role, presumably? Yeah, in the, in the Royce role. So the, okay. and the six and six rule is really important, folks. Don't yeah. remember that when... Don't forget that when you're leaving your comments because we're going to talk about the manager next. Um, but yeah, I just had to pick a blue, I had to pick a 99, 2000 player and yeah, Royster in that position to me, I quite like there's quite, they're quite similar players, maybe go yeah. about things in a different way, but you get the same kind of creativity, you get them filling in gaps every now and then, and you obviously get goals as well. So very similar, but yeah, Broadhead, as you say, I think probably more of a fit in my team, but it was just the rules, um, stopped <laughs> me from being able to pick him. 
I'll tell you what, with Royce and Magilton, Davis and Venus in your side, you've got a hell of a corner kick taker, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. They'll be fighting over that one. Trouble is, I haven't got Chaplin running on the end of it to slam it home from the penalty spot. But- you have got Scoey and his wherever he was. Stuart might head. Stuart might do that job pretty well, actually. Yeah, yeah true, that's yeah. set proof routine. We're talking of set piece routines. We have to pick. I guess we pick a manager, but we get the the backroom staff as well. Probably. Can um, I just ask? Sorry, before we move on, who was your captain? My captain's Morsey. Okay, right. Yeah, not, let Majorton. Let Majorton play. Let him play. Let him cook. Okay. Let him cook, Seb. Do you think he'd accept that? I, well, he's. He, I, what I'll do is I let them figure it out between themselves. Okay, in that case, there's only one winner. I would suggest fly on the wall would be a good minute. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I thought I, I just think I really appreciate Morsey's leadership in this, in this current team, and he's yeah. such a focal point on the pitch for us, and such a leader as well. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that people don't see. There was a moment in the second half where he comes back and is instructing and and giving orders to the to Hladke, I think it was on on Saturday. At, Against who did we? I've forgotten who we played already on Bloomington Saturday. Preston, uh, so much has happened since then. Preston, yeah, there was an awkward moment, particularly when Preston were on top, and Morsi just comes back and is is basically got is holding court with the whole defence, but giving instructions to Ladke. And I think a lot of us don't see that kind of stuff. They see the yeah. lead by example stuff and getting stuck in and you know roaming forward, etc., bringing everyone up the pitch, but. The seven, eight out of ten every week is very similar to Majorton, but I just think Majorton is much more focused on what he's trying to do and what he can do for the team. Maybe less so Morsey, who's thinking about the team, and that yeah. that, that would play into my thinking a little bit. Makes sense. Um, and I guess at full time, you get a Harry Clark fist pump towards I the do. North Stand. That I, and get I was Matt thinking Holland politely applauding all four stands, which is fine. Different, <laughs> different end of games, for different, different celebrations needs. for different needs. Yeah, there you go. I was thinking, what would I want against Norwich? And I want Harry Clark launching into a tackle along with Majilton, along with Morsey. So, yeah. Um, Shall we talk about the coach then? Because we both, if people haven't figured it out by themselves already, we have both gone for the same manager. And this and we, is based on 99-2000, not the Premier League manager of the season. Well, yeah. 2001, well, everyone. How how quickly, at uh, what point did you decide to go for McKenna Seb? Was it before or after you named the rest of the team? It was before. Uh, it was always going to be McKenna for me personally. I think when you consider where he's come from, this is his second, uh, second and a half full season in kind of full-time management and the way he has transformed things. I know Burley did a very similar job. Obviously, we get relegated under under him. He takes over and can't save us. And then he kind of rebuilds the whole club, this superb playing style. But that took that was evolution over four or five seasons, wasn't it? You know, the defeats to... to you could argue back in the late 90s, not bottle jobs, but we did suffer those defeats, you know, Sheffield United, Bolton, Charlton. Um, you could even argue on the last day of the season, we, we failed to beat somebody and didn't get in. Was it Millwall? Couldn't get in in 96. Mm. So, yeah, maybe you'd argue that that team took a lot longer to kind of evolve and build, whereas McKenna has hit the ground running. He's playing football that I've not, you know, seen and enjoyed as much since those since those George Burley days. And, yeah, for me, given his age, the the speed at which he's transformed everything and the incredible football we play with incredible tactical changes like dropping Cameron Burgess for George Edmondson because of a whole player might show somebody onto his left foot. His level of insight is next level. And yeah, for me, it was, it was him right from the get go personally. What about you? Yeah. I, for all of that, exactly right. And, and a little bit, you know, and a little bit more as well. You know, I, I, we were, that we were the formative years of watching town for us was the Burley era, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it didn't feel like 
what we're watching right now. I know that's off the back of a, a League One promotion, but I don't remember, obviously this was pre-social media and pre-podcasts, but the chat about Burley was clearly not the same as there is for McKenna now, which is his ceiling is exponentially higher, isn't it? In theory, McKenna could go on and get the top jobs in, in the game. And, yeah. you know, that that was playing on my mind. But also the fact that McKenna, I think, Sheepshanks off the field was the was the figurehead was the focal point for the community to rally around that team. McKenna has done a bit of both. Clearly, we've got Mark Ashton and the foundation doing great work in the community. But the love for McKenna, I think, is really tangible off the field as much as it is on it as well. And yeah. I think that's a key factor. But I just, as for all the reasons you say, you know, the the tactical acumen, the flexibility, the pragmatism, the developing and learning on the job. I think maybe he's more flexible than Burley. Burley obviously had different ways to play. We kind of debated on the podcast before that the thought was Burley was very long ball. Actually, I'm um, sorry, was very um, ticky tacker kind of short passing. But Burley actually went quite direct at times, and you know was able to mix it up. But you kind of feel like McKenna has got a game plan for every single game. Yeah, and I don't think maybe Burley had that. If I'm being harsh. No, I think you're being. I think you're being spot on there. I remember nil nils at home to Blackburn, at home to Tranmere in the 99-2000 season. There was a bit of a, a bit of a sense, like you said before, social media. But there was a bit of a sense that you know, did did Burley really have that kind of plan B? Whereas McKenna, I think you know, if he gets found out once, then he'll know to react next time. And it's very rare you'll see a kind of repeat of the same issue in games as he's taken over. Yeah, and you'd imagine that. In, in my team, he's going to bring out the best at Royster, isn't he, for example, as well, you know, get yeah. that extra level. Um, but we need to pay tribute to George Burley. We obviously did an interview with Burley a few years back. Craig did that. Um, you can check that out. In fact, I'm trying to figure out, in terms of the 99-2000 team, how many how many people we've interviewed. So do check out our um, our archive of interviews on, on YouTube in particular. But Burley was fantastic wasn't he and oh yeah the expectations when he came in obviously that that aging team that got relegated got tanked by man united nine mm-hmm. nil um and then you fast forward a few years he's completely evolved it brought in you know probably is it fair to say better at bringing in the kids maybe than mckenna uh, maybe out of choice because of the budgets perhaps yeah I think that works in burley's favor perhaps um but that maybe the difference as well we um, we're not giving Burley the credit because it was a slow burn and eventually 99, 2000, it happened. But actually the 2000, 2001 season, did it oh. have feelings of what we're going through right now, maybe? Maybe, yeah. That kind of momentum that carried us through and that sense of disbelief every single moment. Well, back in the day when you were what opening up the newspaper and watching Match of the Day and Teletext, Channel 303, whatever it was on Teletext to try and you know catch up with the the league table and stuff. Yeah, I guess, I guess I wonder, it'd be interesting if in this day and age, if Burley would have got the chance to have four stabs at a playoff campaign. You know, we live in a world now of managerial firings and hirings at, you know, very kind of very quick fire. Some man- some teams will have multiple managers within a season. I'm not sure in 2022, George Burley would get the chance to build the squad over the five-year period that he did. And eventually, you know, I think after, Charlton, maybe certainly the first out, Bolton. Maybe. Yeah, maybe the first Bolton one. I think maybe the club in the in the modern era looks to go down a different path and he never gets the chance to kind of keep building that squad. And I mean, yeah, 2000, 2001 was absolutely incredible, wasn't it? To think we still went into the final day away at Derby with a chance of Champions League football was just mental. Yeah, yep, I was there. Um, so uh, we'll have a look. At, Joe has given us a team as well. But Seb, do you want to just 
give for those who are listening on the podcast, do you want to you name your team in full? Yeah, so Richard Wright in goal, a back three of Luke Wolfenden, Tony Mowbray in the middle, Mark Venus on the left. Wingbacks, Leif Davis and Wes Burns. My central midfield three, a Sammy Morsey slightly deeper, Jim Magilt on one side, Matt Hall on the other side, and up front, Connor Chaplin and the goal machine that is David Johnson. Lovely stuff. And, and my team, coached by Kieran McKenna, has Richard Wright in goal, a back two of Mark Venus and Luke Wolfenden. They are flanked by Leif Davis on the left and Harry Clark on the right with Jim Magilton and Sam Morsey in the engine room. Martin Royce are out on the left cutting in and Wes Burns on the right cutting in. And Marcus Stewart leads the line with James Scowcroft just in behind the small guy, big guy partnership there. Um, so, yeah, so give us your thoughts there. I'm just going to pause and throw Joe's team up on the screen and we'll have a, a we'll, we'll critique Joe's. It's very similar to yours, actually, Seb. Um, gone for the same formation as you, same midfield config. Yeah. Um, he's same got, fullbacks, wingbacks. Yeah, he's got, he's got McGreal in. Okay. Instead of Mowbray, I can kind of understand that maybe. Yeah, I can. Chaplin Scowcroft up front, though, is a pretty exciting front too, isn't it? Definitely, yeah, in the same kind of little little man, big man role that we had with Johnson and Scowcroft. You're going to be reliant there on Scowcroft holding the ball up and Chaplin just doing what he does, buzzing around, being a pest and getting on the end of things. So that's yep. very, that's a very, very similar side to mine, isn't it? Who was his manager? McKenna. Okay, yeah, so. So very, what very it suggests so- is I'm in the wrong and you guys are in the right. <laughs> At Ipswich on Twitter. Yeah, Make sure no, you all no. the news. <laughs> well, I, and... Dropped, he dropped Matt Holland, everyone. Remember that. Oh, yeah, Matt Holland. Yeah, I, as I said, I feel bad. I feel so bad, but he'd be the first sub on the pitch at 60 minutes, if that's any consolation, when Jim's legs are done. So let us know what you think in the comments. Please stick with the 6-6 six, six rule. It's one rule, that's all it is, because otherwise... Um, you can critique and slag us off as much as you want, and it doesn't really make much sense. So it's a bit of fun. And try and pick the same formations that we have as well to make it yeah. consistent if you can. But do let us know what you think, of, uh, you know, particularly about the personal as well. Any thoughts of the uh, that we've we've missed on the players? Um, your thoughts on that 99 versus 23-24 team and, you know, where they rank and, and how they compare. Just give us your thoughts in the comments as well. Um, but give us your team as well. Give us your selection down there as well. Um, at Ipswich, at Brown SO8, um, or join us on Telegram as well. I'm sure the guys, the, the guys at Telegram were pre-warned that we were going to do this pod, Seb, and have already started going in full nerd mode. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of debate over there. So do join us on Telegram as well. Worth noting, we do have a flagship show on Sunday as well. 8pm, we'll do a bit of a review of the season to date. Um, so do join us back at the usual time on Sunday. And then the pre-match show, are we going Thursday next week, Seb, ahead of Rotherham? Yep, yep I'm off to Rotherham, so we'll do Thursday night Lovely live stuff. and then Rotherham for me on the Friday night. Get back Brilliant into it, thankfully. Stuff. On the international breaks, rubbish. Yeah, it is a bit rubbish. Though at the, at the time of recording, Wales are playing and I think both Method Broadhand and Wes Burns are in, yeah. in the team. So we're going to see how they're getting on. But yeah, do give us a thumbs up. Do subscribe as well. If you're not a scrub, subscribe already. If you're listening on the podcast, give us a five-star review. Thank you for joining us. We hope we haven't triggered you too much. Give us your thoughts in the chat. And thank you for watching, Seb. Um, I'll let you say goodbye. He dropped Matt Holland. I didn't at Ipswich.
It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.